The Guru is live. Here we go this morning. Welcome to your Real Estate Daily Weekend Edition with your Guru. And we've got a complicated topic today. And thank you for the comments that came in about this a, a, a couple weeks ago. I've been doing some research about it, of course, because the topic is zoning. And zoning, it's, it's always complicated. Get your cup of coffee this morning. You're going to need some stimulus. It's a Saturday morning, and we're talking zoning. Okay, I got to keep sipping my coffee because, like I say, we're talking zoning today. And zoning is, the question is, is zoning a bad thing? Is zoning a good thing? What do we mean about zoning? Because zoning is complicated. So let's let's lay out some hierarchy here. So zoning starts in from the state government, laying out general zoning for the state. And then it goes to the county. And the county has all their rulings and zoning rules. And we're going to hit a handful of them today. But there's hundreds of them. There's no way if we put together a series of these things, we can even, even hit them all. And it wouldn't make sense. To hit because then you'd be talking about airport zoning and right-of-ways for landing. and <laughs> Because the zoning does control everything ultimately at the end of the day. And then after county zoning... At that point, you go to local municipality overlays because, like in Troutdale, Oregon, they are in Multnomah County, but they can have an overlay of the, the zoning that they want to impact for their local areas. If that's not complicated enough, then you can have on top of that yet another layer. You can have things like the Columbia River Gorge Commission. So you can have commissions that are federally annexed, federally put together, or state put together that can overlay even that. So if you've ever thought that zoning was this difficult thing to understand and difficult thing to get a hold of and find the zoning code, you're right. Zoning is difficult. It absolutely, and you, if you are getting to specifics and you have a client that needs to know the zoning, go get a professional to help you with zoning. What I have found is going down to the local county office and talking with them about it can be a huge help. These are wonderful people that actually want to help you understand the local zoning rules and how they apply to you. All right, zoning good or bad, our question for the day. Well, zoning isn't a good or a bad thing. Even though people tend to think about zoning in the light of good or bad, we all like to think that we can position something as a good or a bad. You know, it's an evil thing. It's an evil empire. Or it's this wonderful good thing for us. It's not that way at all. Zoning are simply rulings that come in to either help something happen or curtail something from happening. Think about this. Just throw an example out there to get our brains thinking about zoning. 
you're living in your home in a regular residential neighborhood and next door and right next door to you, you expect another house. But instead, a gas station goes in. What stops that from happening? Well, it's zoning. Zoning stops someone from just building a gas station in the middle of a residential area. It's not just that they wouldn't think this is a bad idea. Somebody out there would think that it's a good idea to put a gas station in a local residential area. Of course they would. That's how we work. People have all kinds of thoughts. But if, if we don't have some controls about our living environment and our living conditions, then things like that would, of course, be happening. And this is not a debate today whether, you know, that, 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 excuse me, (laughs) it's a weekend edition. Let me restart that sentence. This is not a debate today whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. It's a discussion about how it works and what the protections of it include. Okay, let's go over some typical. Let me sit and take another sip of coffee because even your guru is having some uh, some brain invitations in parts this morning. Okay, let's slow it down a little bit. It is a, it is the weekend. By the way, take a minute and go look down there and hit that like button. It is so meaningful that you're hitting the like button. If I could just talk about it for a second or two here. The like button is what promotes us on social media. And of course, if you don't do the thumbs up and you do like the, the happy face or the, or the heart or something like that, it's even bigger because social media interprets that as a bigger emotion. And you'll get promoted even further. So please, if you're really liking the show, please take a moment and hit that button and choose one of the, one of those options. It is absolutely meaningful to us. Also, hitting the subscribe button will open up the Guru Members Only events. You will have access to the Guru Members Only events. And let me give you a a sneak peek here. Coming up soon, very soon, we are going to begin to advertise a special event coming up for spring. A special event. And the Guru members only will have access first. First, they'll have access. But you've got to be a Guru member only. And to be a Guru member only, you have to... Hit the subscribe button. Hit the subscribe button. Follow us on social media. You'll be first to know about the event coming up. It's going to be exciting. Let me tell you, you're looking to build your business in in 22. You're not going to want to miss this. This is going to put your business on steroids. All right, let's get back over to Zoning. Zoning. R3, you hear this all the time. Well, let me, let, excuse me, let me go over to R7 because R7 in the Multnomah County, the Tri County area, the Portland area, is what you hear all the time. Now, these numbers are probably not your numbers for your county because they change. 
Come on. They change. They not only change, but your local state or municipality simply uses different codes. But I'm giving you some examples. So R7, which is super popular in this area right now, you see this all the time and people wonder. They'll call our office to real estate and say, my house has R7. Do you know what that means? As a matter of fact, we do. R7 means it's residential minimum 7,000 square foot lot. It's fairly simple. In fact, a lot of the codes are like that. If you have an idea what they actually mean for interpretation. Once you have heard it, you think, oh, well, that kind of makes sense. That's no big deal. Another really popular one is R5. Builders love to get a, to get you know a couple acres close in. That's R5. Because R5 is minimum 5,000 square foot lots. You can put more homes per acre than you could, uh, you know, with an R7. R7, just think, R7 get, gives you that 7,000 square foot lot. Let's let's go over the, the, the basics for an acre. So an acre is 43,560 square feet. Now, out of that acre, when a since we're talking zoning today, it has to come up. And this is the conversation you need to be having with your client if your client is an investor and a builder. They want to buy a couple acres, and they're saying, well, 43,560 square feet. I'm buying two acres. That's obviously about 87,000 square feet. Just doing the head math here. And they divide that. They say, well, this is an R5, 87,000 square feet divided by, you know, minimum 5,000 square foot lots. But that's not all that comes out of that because there's other zoning components. So the individual residence that's left in that, so they're going to develop two acres. And, the, and they think, well, you know, I can get all these pieces out of this. And just do, you know, doing, you can do the quick head math on it. Five, you know, 87,000 divided by five. So not, not, not difficult. And they divide that up. And, but before they divide it up too far, you're just giving them examples. You're not being the, 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 the coding person on it, but you want to remind them somehow the homeowner has to drive into their house. They have to get there. So there has to be streets. There has to be sidewalks. There has to be right-of-ways. So all of that land can't be used. That 87,000 square feet for, for a couple of acres, it's not all going to go into housing. It has to, some of it, go into infrastructure. It takes a lot of land. It takes a lot of land to make up a bunch of residences. You're looking to, you're representing a builder that hasn't, that doesn't have a lot of experience doing this type. Well, they're going to need some help. Because the engineering that it takes to put together the infrastructure to support the R7, the R5, you know, the minimum 7,000 square foot lot, the minimum 5,000 square foot lot, is a bunch of infrastructure. And there is zoning about it. 
Okay, R3, another one, not nearly as popular, but 3,000 square foot lot minimum. But let's also talk about commercial land on the C3. So C C3 is the general commercial zoning code that allows for industry to come in. People will call us and they'll say, is my property commercial? Well, when you look at your tax document, we all get our tax documents at least once a year because you get charged for taxes. What does it say on there? People are really confused, but and it is a confusing document for sure. Even for professionals looking at it, this can be a confusing document to look at. However, when you look at the document, it's going to talk about what the applicable zones are for that residence that you're paying taxes on. They actually want you to know. People think it's all hidden. It's not as hidden as they think. It's that thing of not knowing how to search something. Pardon me. So years ago, my wife and I wanted to put some, some shelving in our shop for long-term storage. You know, we put, put it in the garage and shops and stuff like that. But we wanted that shelving that kind of looked like the Costco heavy, because we had some heavy things to put out there, some farm equipment. And we didn't know what to call it. At the end of the day, we finally found out after some research. You needed to call it pallet racking. Well, pallet racking in, opened up the search to exactly what we were looking for. But until you know what to call it, you don't know what to search for. And this is the problem with zoning. People don't know. Your clients don't know what to call it. They don't even know where to go to find out about it. Of course, we, we know as professionals, but just reminding you, you're going down to the building permits area and talking with them about the zoning and what can be. And the question is very simple. What is allowed to be built on this lot? And you have the address or you have the lot number. Now, if it's raw land, you're just going to have a lot number. You're not going to have an address because raw land doesn't have an address. You ever notice that all the raw land, all, all of it's zero, one, two, three, Main Street, excuse me, zero Main Street. It doesn't have the numbers like one, two, three, Main Street. That would be, you know, a, something that actually is built there. You don't get that kind of an address system until you build something. Otherwise, raw land is zero, and it'll be zero on whatever street it is. Well, you can't find that. You simply can't find it. You have to have the lot number. So be prepared when you go down there. If it's raw land, you're gonna need the lot number. Where are you gonna find it? You're gonna go to that wonderful tax document. And that tax document will tell you all about the numbers, the zoning codes. It may not give you every single one of them, of course not. But certainly it'll, it'll start to define for you some of that those perimeters and what you can find for that particular piece of property. Now let's talk about growth boundaries. But it is the weekend edition. Let me slow down a little bit and take another sip of coffee.
as I said, it's going to get complicated today. It's going to get rough because zoning is tough because people don't think about it so much. Okay. Growth boundaries. Growth boundaries are when the local area, the county, now that it'll start from the state with a mandate. And in Oregon, everything has to have a growth boundary. Everything has to have a plan of growth. You want to be, to be in some meetings that people really have their anxieties high, go to a growth boundary meeting that the county is putting on with that local area and the citizens are there. It brings up a lot of anxiety because people don't like to think about their self being squeezed. They like to think about their place as being stable. And what they have is what they have. That's not going to change. But what we know is this change is inevitable. That is the truth. Change is inevitable for all of us. Well, how does that process work? Well, there was an, there's an established growth boundary. And within the growth boundary, and let's just use Portland, Oregon as an example, within that growth boundary, you can have a much more compacted residential living components. So you can squeeze those components that you could, for example, within the growth boundary, you might be able to have condos, a condo high rise building. While outside the growth boundary, you may be far more limited to not have the high rise condo building. You, you may be able to put something up, but not the same kind of high density living you would be able to within a growth boundary. And yes, there's different levels of the growth boundary before I start getting comments. By the way, take a moment, send me a comment on zoning. What are your questions about zoning? How do you take time? How do you break this apart for your clients? when it comes to zoning, because zoning is this crazy animal that people are misunderstood about, but it's only because they haven't spent time. By the way, who wants to spend time thinking about zoning? I mean, come on, even your guru doesn't want to spend a whole lot of time thinking about zoning. I spend more time reading the cases from LUBA, L-U-B-A, that's Land Use Board of Appeals, which deals with people that are upset or want to change or do something with a current zoning rule and they are appealing it to land use because zoning affects zoning affects use what you can actually remember you go back to our example the gas station coming next to you in a residential area that you don't want them to have that kind of use because you don't want to live next to a gas station. Nobody does. It brings an element that we don't want for our home. We don't want all the gas smells and the traffic and the, the problems that any business, not that gas stations are a problem, but we don't want it next to our home necessarily. And that's why we have zoning rules that impact the use, they affect the use 
of the local area, but also we have Luba that people can appeal for the land use of what's happening, particularly with it. So the growth boundary. Growth boundaries simply allow for addition. It's a zoning overlay. And we have all these overlays. They start stacking on each other. They become very, and you are limited to the most restrictive overlay of the zoning that's out there. You can't say, oh, well, this zoning allows me to do, you know, a bunch of other things. Whatever that would be. <laughs> Good morning, by the way. This is a tough topic. It allows you to do a lot of things. Then you have the overlays that begin to restrict that ability to do things. And you are bound by the most restrictive of those things. Because the overlays cannot go larger than the base. You have the base from the state. The overlays can't broaden that usage, but they can restrict the usage. And you are bound by the most restrictive component of that. Okay. How does this impact our lives? Does it impact our lives? And the answer, of course, is an easy one. It's yes, zoning impacts our lives. Zoning is what allows for freeways to go in and roads to go in, infrastructure to go in, and high-density areas. And you may not be a fan of high-density areas. There is a need, though, for some high-density areas. There are some people who want to live and need to live in a higher-density housing area. It not only fits their lifestyle, but it's what they personally need because maybe they can't drive. You take, think about the blind. Now, the, all the blind don't want to live in high density, but it might be a, a, a need for them to live in a higher density so they, they have more infrastructure closer to them. I can talk about that since your guru is blind and have considered many times living in a higher density area just because of those needs. Okay, so does it impact other things of our, of course it does. Zoning impacts urban sprawl. Wow, am I hitting on a sore spot here now? Let me know what you think about urban sprawl in the comments. I'd love to know what you think about it. Just to remind you, urban sprawl, by definition, is the concept of people wanting to move further out from a local infrastructure municipality and drag with them the resources of the local county or municipality. For example, those infrastructure pieces typically drug with them would be water systems, septic systems, and power systems, power systems. So they want to drag that with them, but how much does it cost to have that same infrastructure in high density? Well, per household, it's low. It's very low. But you drag that out with urban sprawl, and it gets much higher. And how much of that bill should be apportioned to the individual person wanting to sprawl further out. This is not the day, this is not the day to debate that, but it is a topic to be discussed. 
with your client if they're wanting to go and get a, a, a piece of ground and build something on it. Typical for us right now is someone wants to go way out, away from the lo local county seat, and they want to get a, a couple acres of land, and they want to put up a tiny home. Very typical. The problem is most of the zoning codes would never allow for that because the tiny homes, you know, less than 300 square feet or so each. Uh, some of them can even be smaller than that. They will have zoning overlays that won't allow for a home less than, let's just say, you know, a thousand square feet. They'll have a zoning overlay that will impact that even for like, you know, R7s and things that allow for a 7,000 square foot lot, you may not be able to put your tiny home. That's why you have to drill down further into the details of the zoning to find out what exactly, okay, I can build a residence, a general residence. What does general residence actually mean? Is there a footprint that I have to abide by? And in that footprint, do I have to have a certain amount of square footage for the home? So I may have to go up to levels to accommodate a certain square footage. That's how complicated it gets. And that's why people don't like it. But once you start breaking it down for them and going to the office, the building permits office with your client shows, showcases your knowledge, skills, and abilities right in front of your client. And that's what we're doing. We're building your business through knowledge, skills, and abilities and make it where you are helping your client with their motives in life, showing you understand their motive and where they're going with this project. This binds you to the client. We're building your business. It's 22 and, and real estate is on fire. If you don't have the business you need in 22, come and visit us at our site. Follow us on social media. Follow us at your-realestateguru.com. That's your-minus dash, little minus sign. Your-realestateguru.com. Follow us on social media. Follow us on Facebook. You can find us on Facebook by just adding the FB dot in front of that URL I just gave, and it'll take you to our Facebook site. Follow us free advice, free coaching on building your business. If you want to get even more specific, we have coaching programs. We have a course. We have a Kickstarter course. Let's get you in the Kickstarter course to building your business in 22. Let's get it going before spring even hits. Let's get it going to you and your family. Have the income and the business you deserve to have and plan to have when you got licensed in real estate. Let's build it together. I'm your real estate guru. This is Real Estate Daily Weekend Edition, and we'll be talking very soon. Take care, guys.